Here at West Meadows, Christmas time doesn't just happen. I mean, as ministry staff, we have been spending quite a bit of time preparing for this season. We have a Christmas Eve service that's coming in just a couple of days, and this is not something that's just been thrown together last minute, but really something that we've been contemplating and preparing for and putting tons of time and effort into making it a special service for you and for our community community to enjoy. And about 200 years ago, we found that there was a gentleman, a minister, who was preparing as well for the Christmas Eve service in his small church in Oberndorf, Austria. Joseph Moore was preparing for his service and he had done a lot because he knew that the townspeople of Oberndorf loved this service. Everybody would come flocking to the church to enjoy the beautiful music and to enjoy just the message that they heard to reconnect with their friends and to just grasp that Christ really was in Christmas. So now it was Christmas Eve and the service was going to be happening in a few hours so Joseph decided that he better make sure that all those last minute details were taken care of. So that started with Joseph walking through the sanctuary and noticing that the pews were tidy and then he placed his message on the pulpit and then he walked over to the organ to put down the sheet music for the carols that they would be singing and then he thought, you know what, I'm going to exercise my voice, I'm going to practice one of these songs. So he sat down to the organ, but as he tried to play, nothing was happening. There was no music coming out of the organ. The instrument was broken. Well, Joseph, who had been planning the perfect service, was getting anxious. He was a little bit worried. What do I do now? He was trying to envision in his head what would happen if there was no music that night. And he really thought that he would meet like a revolt from the people. It would not be a good thing. And as he was contemplating silence, he remembered a poem that he had written two years earlier called Silent Night. Well, he did his due diligence. He contacted the organ repairman. Can you come and fix the organ for us, for our service? The organ repairman said, you know, you're really working against the clock here. I mean, I'll do my best. But doing his best, that, that kind of got Joseph a little bit worried. So Joseph thought, again, silent night. You know, maybe if I was able to take the lyrics of my poem and put that to a tune, maybe, maybe we could use that. Now, this was not in Joseph's wheelhouse, but he knew somebody who was very capable. Actually, it was the schoolmaster of Oberndorf, who also happened to be the organist of his church, who also happened to be an esteemed composer. That was Franz Gruber. So, Joseph took the lyrics or the words of his poem. He rushed them over to Franz's place. He said, it is going to be, you know, a disaster if I don't have a song for Silent Night, or sorry, for our Christmas Eve service tonight. And so he then showed him the words and he said, we can't use an organ. What can we use? The two men determined that they would use a guitar. So now it's service time. 
The organ repairman showed up, but he only showed up in time for the service. And he was one of the people in the congregation who was listening to this beautiful lullaby, this beautiful song, Silent Night. And he was so moved by it and so touched by it that he thought, I know some people. In fact, he knew two groups of people. He knew two groups of traveling minstrels, and he told them about this song, and he said, you really ought to consider adding it to your repertoire. Both groups loved the song. They started putting it in their concert package and singing it all over the country, and that song then became the famous Christmas carol of Silent Night. So beside the anticipation of all things Christmas, we as human beings eagerly await all sorts of things. At 16, we get excited about the idea of driving. A little later, we get excited about the idea of graduating from high school. And then maybe a few years after that, we get excited about the idea of possibly getting married to the love of our life. And then a little bit, well, probably a lot more than a little bit after that, we start anticipating things like becoming grandparents. Or how about that R word, retirement? We anticipate that too. My daughter turned 16 years old this year, and she had been anticipating getting her license for a long time. Now, her brother, my son, is six and a half years older than my daughter, and he had been preparing for his learner's license, and as he had his driver's manual in front of him, she would come right up to him and she would study over his shoulder. So she was more than prepared when it came time for her to do her learner's license, and now at 16, she's ready to jump into the next step. But you may or may not be familiar with this. In 2019, the Alberta government decided to do something that they had not done for 25 years. The government decided that they were no longer going to let the private sector manage the road tests. There had been some trouble. There had been a corrupt company in Calgary, you may have heard of this, who was actually, as long as the price was right, dishing out licenses. So if you were willing to pay the fee, then you could have a license. So sometimes you find yourself, I'm sure, driving and you're thinking, how did that guy get his license? Maybe he got it from this corrupt company in Calgary. I'm not sure. But 2019, the Alberta government says, we've had enough. We are taking back that responsibility. But they did not anticipate that it was going to be a bit of a struggle to find actual responsible employees to administer these tests. So my daughter's birthday is March 5th, and this whole changeover was supposed to happen on March 1st. She was crossing her fingers that she would be able to get her license on her birthday, but she did not because they were so backlogged. It took a lot longer than March 5th for her to finally be able to get her license. When you're waiting for things, they don't always turn out the way that you had envisioned. They certainly didn't for my daughter, Matika. A lot of people can end up being disappointed. Sometimes you don't get what you wanted. Sometimes you don't get what you expected. Sometimes you don't get what you think you deserve. But sometimes, sometimes it just 
all works out. And in Luke 2, 21 to 34, we read about a situation where a man got exactly what he had been waiting for. He got to see the promised Messiah. He had been anticipating Jesus' presence for a long time. And in this passage, he finally got what he had been hoping for. In the second chapter of Luke, verse 25, we read, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. What does it mean by the consolation of Israel? Well, by definition, consolation means something or someone that provides comfort for a person who is suffering. And Simeon, the gentleman that we just read about, he was this older gentleman who had been living righteously for a long time. To read a little bit more about this narrative in Luke, let me go on. Verses 26 to 33. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And by the father and mother, we're talking about none other than Joseph and Mary. And Joseph and Mary, they wanted to do everything according to the law of Moses. So when Jesus was eight days old, they made sure that he was circumcised. And the next step was then to present him at the temple to the Lord and to bring their sacrifice of two turtle doves or two young pigeons. But at this time, the temple was quite corrupt, possibly like that company in Calgary, only probably worse. I mean, these priests were totally in it for the money, and that was all. And they would do anything in order to be able to gain riches. They would even abuse the poorest of poor just to get ahead of the money game. But in contrast to that corruption that was in the temple, there was Simeon. And Simeon was upright, and Simeon was committed to God. He wanted to please God no matter what. So you might wonder what made Simeon different, what drove Simeon to be just and to be devout. And we get our hints from that first verse, verse 25, the two clues. First, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was tunnel-visioned, focused, anticipating the presence of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, second clue, was upon him. It's really tough to be corrupt when you've got Jesus upon you, when the Holy Spirit is amongst you. 
God had spoken to Simeon through the Holy Spirit. He told him everything was going to be all right, that he would see a Messiah in his lifetime. And if that's not a comfort, if that's not a consolation, I don't know what is. The promised Messiah? I mean, Simeon, ever since he was a young guy, a little one, like the ones that were up here this morning, ever since he was young like that, he would have gone to worship services, he would have gone to feasts, and the whole focus of those participating would be to remember the promise of a coming king. He would have been familiar with all of the same passages that we're familiar with from the Old Testament. You know, the Messianic prophecy, those promises that date all the way back to Genesis. The first one, Genesis 3.15, it's the promise of a coming Messiah. The promise is technically the promise of the destruction of a serpent, but secondarily, it's the promise of salvation for Adam and Eve and the entire human race. The Messiah was going to come to destroy the serpent and to deliver man from the serpent's dominion. Now, anticipating Jesus' presence carries on from that. I'm sure you're familiar with Abraham and all of those prophecies and the anticipation there. We've got our prophets, Elijah, Elisha, Jonah, who we've just finished learning so much about. They were all awaiting the Messiah and anticipating Jesus' presence too. There's a longing, a hope, an eagerness as the men and women of the Bible are getting ready for prophecy to come to pass. In Jeremiah 5 and 6, we read, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteousness. Here Jeremiah speaks of Messiah as the offspring of David, who would reign as the righteous branch and would gather the scattered flock of Israel and restore righteousness and justice in their land. For years, the people of Israel sorry, (laughs) were anticipating the presence of their consolation. They were anticipating the presence of their comfort, their redeemer, their rescuer, their deliverer. And Simeon was living in a troubled world, and he knew how desperately the people needed consoling and comforting and redeeming and rescuing and delivering. I mean, so many of them were in desperate situations and they really needed a savior so that he could set the world right. Simeon was anticipating Jesus' presence. In that verse, Luke 2, verse 27, we see that the Holy Spirit had led Simeon to go into the temple at just the right time. No such thing as coincidences. Simeon is in the temple and in come Mary and Joseph and their child. And Simeon takes the child into his arms and he makes three statements. The first one being, I can now die in peace. The second one being, my eyes have seen God's salvation. The third one being, this isn't just for me. 
This isn't just for my nation. This is for all of mankind. The thing that Simeon had been waiting for, the thing that Simeon had been anticipating since that blessed time that the Holy Spirit of God had spoken to him had come to pass. He had now seen the Messiah. He had seen the Savior, God incarnate, and he was at peace to die, knowing that now a consolation, a comfort had arrived. So as Simeon looked down on this holy infant, so tender and mild, that he was holding in his arms, he was looking down into the face of God. His anticipation of being in Jesus' presence was happening right there. And that promised Messiah is here with us today, right here. We can anticipate his presence to be with us through those highs, through those lows of life. He walks through times of healing and rejoicing with us. He walks through times of despair and grieving with us. We can anticipate his presence and put our faith and trust in the fact that he is our consolation, our comforter, our redeemer, he is our rescuer and our deliverer. He's the one who consoles us when we're so sick and we have this chronic unbearable pain that we're dealing with. He's the one who comforts us when we realize that a loved one with failing health has only a short time left with us. He's the one who redeems us from habitual sins He's the one who rescues us from toxic relationships. All my hair. <laughs> and he's the one who delivers us from addictions. We all need the Holy Spirit upon us. We all need consolation and comfort. And when we can anticipate Jesus' presence through every situation that comes our way, we have the hope of Christ. Six years ago, I had one of those situations where I needed God's strength, where I needed the hope of Christ. My dear friend Ken, who's here with us today, was complaining of a horrible headache. And in a short span of time, that headache was getting a lot worse. In fact, now he was slobbering all over the place, like he was going through boxes of Kleenex in minutes. And then he thought, well, maybe I'll just have something to eat. Maybe that will clear up my headache. So we went to try to have some oatmeal. He couldn't even swallow. For myself and everybody around, we were kind of thinking, this seems a little more serious than a headache, Ken. I urged him to let me take him to the hospital. But you have to understand, five years previous to that, Ken had been in a serious accident. And he suffered a spinal cord injury. And as a result, Ken had spent months and months and months in a hospital just fighting for his life. And then, after that, rehabilitating. The last place that Ken wanted to go to was a hospital. But finally, this headache that Ken was experiencing had gotten so out of hand that I basically forced him to go. And it's a good thing that I did because when we arrived at the Grey Nuns, the neurologist did a few quick tests 
and said, had we not done anything about this, Ken probably had about two and a half hours left of life. The doctor then asked me a harrowing question. The doctor said, can you give me any reason why I should save his life? Can you imagine getting that question? I said, well, well, yes, he's the single dad of children who desperately need him. The neurologist's eyes warmed and he looked at me and he said, say no more. Within moments, we were being whisked by ambulance to the Royal Alec and Ken was slotted for emergency brain surgery. And as I walked beside his stretcher going in through the operating room doors, God impressed to me two words. He said, be confident. Wow. Instantly, I knew that God intended for Ken to survive. And a little while later, as Ken was still in the hospital, God added to that message with the words, I brought Ken here to live, not to die. So if I wasn't sure already, I was definitely anticipating the presence of Jesus then. And Ken's healing after his surgery was a long time coming. Many secondary complications arose while he remained in the ICU. But through it all, I was anticipating Jesus' presence. Jesus was right there beside us. Based on Jesus' promise to me, I waited and I anticipated Ken's recovery. Now, people would come to the hospital and they thought they were doing me a favor by sitting me down and saying, you know, Thena, you need to face facts. Ken is doomed. Thanks for dropping by. And I'm sure that the doctor and the nurse practitioner thought that I was absolutely delusional when they escorted me into this little small room and they told me that his situation was hopeless. But I knew differently. I was anticipating Jesus' presence. And when I cried in the hospital, it wasn't crying because all hope was lost. It was crying because I ached to see my good friend in so much pain. Ken's neurologist admitted to us when we went to his follow-up appointment, you know what? I double booked myself today. I never in a million years thought that this man would be coming to this follow-up appointment. I never thought he'd get out of the hospital. I booked myself a golf tee time and I have to say, I'm happy that I could cancel that. Jesus tells us in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You can anticipate Jesus' presence through your battles, through your struggles, through your suffering. He's there to walk with you through heartache, and grief, and despair, and depression, and anger. I want to ask you, I want you to think, have you truly put your hope and faith for all the things that matter in Jesus? Are you anticipating his presence in all of those circumstances? 
if you know Jesus, then you'll have a heightened sense of anticipation because you already know what his love is capable of. You already know his wisdom. You already know his beauty. You already know his saving work. You already have seen what he can and will do. And at Christmas time, we celebrate his first coming, just like Simeon and so many others had anticipated, and we're confident and excited for his second coming as well. Jesus, the Messiah, came to give us hope. He came one silent night, one holy night, to bring us heavenly peace. Because the Son of God, love's pure light, came with the dawn of redeeming grace at his birth, we can now anticipate Jesus' presence when we need consolation, comfort, or most importantly, salvation. Anticipate his presence today in whatever it is that you need him for. Enjoy the peace and the calm and the redeeming grace that is made possible because Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is born. Just as the song Silent Night states.